I'm your host, Aaron Rittmaster. Welcome to the Man Cave, where we're recording the Diz Dads podcast, episode number 10, Taking Kids Out of School. With me tonight are Greg Hughes, Jason Gilbert, <laughs> Jason Gilbert, Hello. Uh, Mark Harbison, Evening, everybody. And John Thomas. Howdy. Uh, and gentlemen, we're here to talk about taking our kids out of school to uh, take a, a Walt Disney World trip. Uh, we had originally dubbed this podcast when we were planning it the uh, Great Taking Kids Out of School Debate, but somehow I get the sense that uh, not so much debaters here on this topic, but uh, rather uh, still a topic worthy of discussion and, and some understanding. So, um, I guess I want to start off here with, with Greg, our resident professional educator. Um, and, and Greg, why don't you kind of tell us what you think about taking kids out of school for a Disney trip? I'll try not to get too long-winded on an answer like this. I, I, I think that it's a very appropriate thing. Uh, when we went this past June, I spent a lot of time looking at things, saying, ah, okay, fits in here, fits in here, looking at it from a teacher's point of view. Um, I am a principal, so I get these questions a lot. Uh, I, I think you need to do it, but also that you need to make sure that the timing is right. You don't need to do it at the first couple weeks of May uh, if you've got students in those testing time frames. Uh, you also don't need to do it uh, around the end of the first semester, Christmas time and things like that, because you're starting to get into midterm tests. That, you need to really time it. But, uh, you know, I'm always going to support a, a Disney trip. I just think there's so much to it. I was just looking at our standard course of study within the past couple of weeks preparing for this. And, and, and when we went, I was like, oh, this fits here, this fits here, this fits here. I, there's just so much that can be done with it. I say do it. And uh, Jason, what do you think? Um, I definitely agree. Uh, I, we took the last two years in 2009 and 10, we took our kids out of school. Um, mine are younger. I only have a seven. I have a seven and a four-year-old now, so I only took my daughter out. But the, with with her being a straight-A student, it's a little harder to say, well, you know, she's not doing good in school. Maybe we shouldn't do this. You know, if her grades drop, definitely it might be something that comes into consideration when we think about it again. But with straight A's the last two years, we're going in February. So, well, and, and Jason, I think that's a really good point that you, you really need to know both your school, as Greg was talking about the school calendar, and, and you've got to know your own children and, you know, how they react to these kinds of things. Um, I know that some kids with a, a schedule disruption like that you know, taking them out of school for several days and sort of messing with the rhythm of their schedule are going to have a really hard time adjusting. Um, other kids are going to roll with it and, and it's not going to be a big deal at all. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think, John? Um, yeah, we just did that in January. We took my son out um, and this is the first time that we actually had taken him out of school to go. And my wife was a little hesitant at first when we talked about it, but I had explained to her, um, you know, that we could talk to his teacher first to make sure everything's good. We're not going to do it if his teacher doesn't think he can make up the schoolwork. But, um, you know, there's that's some of the things that you've got to weigh. You've got to make sure your child, you know, even though you want to make these memories and, and take the week out of school, you just got to make sure also they're going to be able to, you know, catch up in school. And it also depends on what grade they're in. 
you know, because there might be a, like Greg had said, um, you know, different parts of the school year that are going to be really important. So I think communication is paramount to talk to your teacher, uh, to your student's teacher, and, uh, you know, make sure that it, you can fit it into the schedule and that uh, whenever they go, if there's a way to make up the work either beforehand or something they can do while they're at Disney World to, uh, you know, have a report. That's what my son did. He, he took some information from Epcot and he gave a little report when he came back and uh, helped him get a grade for that. So, How about you, Mark? Well, I think uh, I, I agree with what the other guys have said here. I think... It's, it's primarily, uh, to me, the parents' decision. I think they know their kids best, um, and they know how their kids would do uh, in, term, in terms of school if they missed a week or two weeks or however long it's going to be. Um, you know, some kids can afford to miss a week and pick right back up like they never left, and other kids would really struggle. And uh, it's, it's the parents' job to really know how that's going to affect them. Um, I think I would probably be a lot more hesitant to pull a kid out uh, if he was, he or she was, you know, of high school age, because um, then you're missing a lot more classes, a lot more uh, detailed education, you know, kind of more adult type classes, um, you know, so you'd be missing a lot more in a week there as opposed to pulling your kid out of second grade or third grade. Um, and my kids, you know, we, we went in September a couple of times. Um, one of the big reasons we did that was because we're a family on a budget. We're a single income family. My wife stays at home with the kids and I'm on a state government salary. So you can do the math there. Um, and so we, we needed to take advantage of, of the cheaper times ago and the special discounts that are offered in the off peak hours. So that's certainly a factor. And we decided that our kids were doing well enough at school. They're, they're still pretty young that it, you know, missing a week wasn't going to mean the difference between Princeton and the local Votech school. So, you know, we thought we could do it. <laughs> well, and that's a good point. And, and one thing that I think uh, to, con- you know, to consider is that it's not just instructional time in classes that can be the hurdle. Um, you know, for kids who are, especially older kids, who are active in sports or drama or speech, um, those extracurricular activities can present a real hurdle because unlike the schoolwork that can print, you know, almost always be made up, you, you can't necessarily make up a forensics tournament. You can't necessarily make up uh, a basketball practice. Those opportunities might not be available. And, and for me, that's frankly one of the reasons that we try and, and take advantage of those things now while the kids are a little younger. Um, it did take a daughter out uh, last year when she was in, uh, in second grade. And, uh, you know, my son's only a preschooler, so obviously it's not a big deal when he misses school. But, um, you know, we'll take him out again this coming September uh, because she handled it well. And uh, from my perspective, the hardest part wasn't so much getting her to do her makeup work. It was getting the teacher to send it home. <laughs> we had a similar problem um, in December with getting the work. Her teacher was great. Um, we told her, you know, the parent-teacher conferences were late September, maybe early October. We weren't going until December. So she knew like eight to ten weeks in advance, just put it on your calendar, you know, we're going. And unfortunately her mother passed away the week before we left. So she didn't have the work ready yet for Kaylee. 
so Kaylee couldn't have it done before we went, and that was our original plan. So it's, you know, it's better to let them know far enough in advance if you're going to take them out, because stuff like that can happen all the time. And it was easier for the substitute to kind of pull the stuff that he could see coming in the next week through her lesson plan and give it to us. Granted, Kaylee still had a lot of work to make up when we got home, but everything that came home, she did the day before we left, and she had nothing to take with her. So it's really dependent on how your kids can handle the amount of work they may get before or after on on it also you know that's something to look at as well yeah that's definitely true and and uh john i, th- I think you were talking about some of this uh issue as well with your uh with your fourth graders teacher yeah um we talked to her in advance whenever my wife and I decided that we could probably go ahead and do it but we wanted to make sure that we got um, the blessing of the teacher so my um, we contacted her and we also told her you know that it was a surprise trip uh, for our kids so try not to mention it you know and uh, she went along with it she played along she thought it was great that we were doing it and um, yeah that the communication was was great you know we we told her at the very beginning of the school year and we didn't go until January. So, you know, she was making sure that he was progressing properly and he was going to be able to miss the time. And she was keeping us updated to make sure everything was going well with his work. So it, it was like an, an added layer, I guess, of almost like a, a, I wouldn't say tutoring, but like a special one-on-one where she was kind of focusing in and making sure he was going to be able to uh, make it on the trip. So it was like an extra uh, special for him through this throughout the whole school year. That's a nice benefit of letting a teacher know early is, you know, even if it's not a surprise, the teacher being able to use that information to uh, do a little additional assessment and, and really help you to make sure that your kid is able to stay caught up and, and get, you know, stay on track with schoolwork despite missing school. And John, I think that's that's a key uh, is letting everybody know early. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had folks come in my office and say, "Well, we're going tomorrow." Just wanted to let you know. Um, another thing I wanted to add to this, and I, I don't want it to sound company lineish, but uh, I, I'm fortunate enough to live in a very small town and uh, and where everybody knows everybody. Eric, Everybody's got to pay attention to the state laws on attendance, and lots of times things like this are not considered "quote unquote" excused absences. Uh, there's always attendance laws in place um, that folks have to to go by, and sometimes you you get, you get folks that that won't work with you, and, and that's unfortunate to, in my opinion sometimes because sometimes for a lot of folks this is a once in a lifetime trip, and uh, I, I think I'm of the opinion that even in my position that you need to work with folks on things like this, but sometimes you're going to have folks that won't. And, uh, and it is in that unfortunate situation. You might just need to, to be ready to brace yourself for it because I, I would still with that situation say, listen, if, I, I understand what the policy is, but I, I'm taking my child. I don't know if I'll ever get to go again. And, and that's the way I would handle that. Yeah. Now, Mark, <laughs> you, you raised an interesting point here in chat. Uh, I think maybe you ought to share that. All right, you saw me talking in the back of the class, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I was just thinking, you know, as as Greg was saying, you you want to work with the school and talk about uh, 
you know, with the know the attendance policy, know the laws uh, in the state for as, as far as truancy goes and that sort of thing. But um, you know, the I was thinking the the backdoor approach is always to say, oh gosh, there's a family emergency and we have a funeral we got to go to and it's out of state, so we're going to be out this week. And then of course, you know, you go gallivanting off to Disney World. And um, I was thinking that's probably not the best way to go. I think it's the school would have a lot more respect for you and be a lot more willing to work with you. Uh, on future trips, if you're honest, <laughs> um, because your child's probably going to come back to class bragging about being at Disney World anyway. So I think the truth is going to come out. <laughs> I, I've seen that happen more than once, and it is hilarious to see the look <laughs> on parents' faces when it does. <laughs> well, you know, it's like the kid who's been been told that uh, they're supposed to be, you know, eight again this year at Disney World so that they can still be uh, on a child's ticket, even though they're obviously 12. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's going in another direction, but that's, that's, a, bad, that's a bad example, and, you're, and it's already being said at that young age, and that's, that's, that's frustrating to me sometimes, but it happens all the time. Yeah, I think we're really lucky that we have a, a school district that has a what I think is a quite enlightened policy when it comes to uh, not just Disney World but family vacations in general. And you know, their position is that a scheduled family vacation that you let them know about in advance is an excused absence. That it's um, and you know, spending that time with their, with your family is an educational experience in and of itself. Um, and so they they although the absence is you know, are, are recorded, they're treated as excused absences. I, I was going to say, I've always thought that um, any, uh, any educator worth their salt would, would realize that when you travel, when you go to different places and, and have new adventures and experiences, it's an educational experience in and of itself. I, I absolutely agree with that. Or when we took, when we went last year, my, the superintendent sent the letter home, you know, the standard form letter. Okay. Five days are excused so your sixth day is not the same day the letter came home I also got a phone call from the superintendent and said just go she's like don't worry about it she says that's our standard form letter that goes out <laughs> she's like and the nice thing is she's my mother-in-law's neighbor so <laughs> she's known Kaylee since she's little you know since she was born so it's it's nice that the school and worked with us sure we went we, f we found a really good price for airfare, so we decided we're going to go down a day early. Well, that bumped us up to six days that they missed school. Right. That she was going to miss school. We had three snow days while we were gone because <laughs> we were there in December. So she only missed three days of school. Nice so bonus. All, like, we had this whole big fight about, not a fight, but, like, this whole big, all right, what are they going to do if she misses six days? You know, what, what's going to happen? And it ended up, we didn't have to worry about it. So if you live in the Northeast, you might get lucky and get some snow days in there. <laughs> well, I, I just think that's, that, that's the right way to do it. And that's the unfortunate part that we have to do uh, to, with the laws and things like that is we have to send those form letters and we have to make those phone calls. And, and once again, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in a dual role here. As a principal, I've got to do it. But as a parent, I know I've, I know it's got to be done as well. I've had those sent to me. I've, I've had to send them to folks, and I get phone calls, and I'll say, "Listen, it, it's a law. I've got to do it. Go on. Don't worry about it." Well, and I, I think we've all said that 
there are these educational opportunities right in front of us when we travel. And I think that's especially true at Walt Disney World. Um, I wanted to have us go around and have people share sort of some of your favorite um, educational opportunities that present themselves either in Walt Disney World itself or even while traveling to Walt Disney World. Um, I don't know, Mark, why don't you share one of your favorites? Uh, well, the first one that popped into my head was the uh, World Showcase at Epcot. Um, we uh, spent a good part of a day there on our last trip uh, doing a lot of the spy missions, which is a lot of fun, and visiting each country. Uh, but the other thing we did was we got a uh, passport. They have passports available that you can get and get them stamped by someone in each country. And uh, if you're a cheapskate, you don't have to buy the passport. They'll stamp anything you want. So that's, there's a little tip for you. But um, anyway, there's a cast member there at each country who is uh, a native of that, of that country. And we had some of the best conversations with these folks just going back and forth, learning a little bit about uh, where they're from, what their life in their country is like. Uh, the woman in China showed us how to spell our kid's name in Chinese and, and write some things like that. And I thought that was one of the best things we could have ever done for our kids, just to have them talk to a native of, of a different nation and to just learn a little bit about what life is like there and, and maybe even spark the interest of going there someday. Sure, sure. How about you, John? You have a favorite educational experience in Walt Disney World? Well, this last time when we went, my we took extra pictures at uh, Living with the Land at Epcot, and my son really enjoyed it, and so he decided that's what he wanted to do his report on. And, you know, we got the old, you know, poster board out. We put the photos on there, and he wrote a report and, you know, uh, did a little uh, presentation to the class, and they all enjoyed it. And it's it's fun to see your child really take in and like all the education that they're getting while they're at Disney World, even though they may not know they're being educated. But uh, it was nice that he got so excited about it and really, you know, put a lot of work into that report. And it, he, it was fun to him because it was Disney related. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, living with the land is a great example because really the, there are a couple of opportunities there. Um, the, the ride itself is a great educational opportunity and, and you can build on that. And then the other is that the behind the seeds tour is uh, a great initial opportunity to experience a, a Walt Disney tour, but also to get a little more in-depth information. And uh, from what I understand, it's a really inexpensive tour as well. Um, I, I don't, I think it's somewhere in the area, it's, it's less than $20 a person, um, which ranks it as probably the least expensive tour that's offered. And um, you can take even younger kids on it too. How about you, Jason? You have a favorite uh, educational opportunity at Disney World? Absolutely. The minute we walk through the gate at Animal Kingdom, my kids love learning about animals. My daughter has said since she's in kindergarten, she wants to be a veterinarian. And every time we walk through the gate, it's she learns something new. And she'll, you know, they have all those cast members standing outside the front, right inside the front entrance, usually with the cages little cages with the spiders and you know all the the snakes and stuff like that we could spend an hour standing talking to them 
before even getting anywhere. And matter of fact, my daughter has. My wife has stood there with my daughter while Corey and I made the fast pass run or went and checked in for breakfast and, you know, done all that. Um, part of Animal Kingdom 2 is the conservation station where they have the vet hospital right right there where you can watch the, the checkups and things like that. Um, our last trip, again, spent two hours. The I loved it. My wife loved it. It was we watched them do a physical on a kangaroo. <laughs> Where else are you gonna see that? Watch out for the reflexes. <laughs> yeah, it was it was amazing. Like just to sit and watch it and to see my wife's a lab tech, to see them draw the blood on the animal and then run it right over to the next room and she said they're the same machines I use on a person. Sure. She goes, Those are the exact same machines. She's like, I could work here. <laughs> She's like, let's come, let's go. I could work here. <laughs> so it was, it, I, I really think Animal Kingdom is amazing if you want to do something, um, you know, just try to throw some medication in there, but not let them know that they're learning things. Like, you know, kind of, if you want to try to hide it a little bit and still keep it fun, because I know my, my kids think you're on vacation, you don't, you don't have to learn. But as the parent, we know from the school, you have to try to do something. Um, the one other thing my we all, my daughter did when she was in first grade, her teacher said to her, she goes, you don't have to do this, but wouldn't it be fun to try to find someone from every state? Oh, wow. So every time we met somebody, whether it was we were talking to them on a bus, at our hotel, um, cast members... She'd always look at their name tags and say, hi, I'm Kaylee from Pennsylvania, and ask them their name. Well, she met people from Australia. She met people from England. She met, I think she hit 49 of 50 states. Wow. And, like, Iowa was the only one we didn't find. Really? For seven days. Now, see, I was going to guess it was Wyoming because, you know, my brother and I have had a running joke for years that Wyoming doesn't really exist. They just put it on the map to keep the states around it from running into each other. <laughs> but so, Yeah, uh, but it was it was amazing, too, because we were, the one day we were walking through, I think it was at Epcot, and we were going to, over to Nemo, like to the, the that area. Yeah. And she saw the name tag. It was a town four miles away from us. Hmm. On the name tag. Like, the girl, it said the name of the town and the state it's a tomoko pennsylvania and it's it's four miles from us and she's like i live in the town right next to that <laughs> and the girl's like this isn't my name tag i actually left mine at home today so she was all disappointed <laughs> like it was just an extra one but it was weird that it was the next town over that somebody from that town worked there at some point right so it's there's a lot of things you can do to keep the trip fun but also make it a little educational Sure. You know, if you have to, like, I, my son will probably be doing that same thing next year when we go, because he'll be in kindergarten. So we'll probably be doing that same, you know, that same whole find somebody from every state type, right? Type project with him. How about you, Mr. Principal? What do you think? Well, first off, I got to say, Jason, that's a that's a neat thing, uh, finding somebody from every state. Um, I, I sort of look at it a little bit differently, and and have been for the past several years as is okay what's science what's social studies what's math um 
sort of an oddball way to look at it, I guess, but I guess that's the way my, my mind is geared to, to do this. Uh, one of the things we do if we're driving, we keep a, a license plate spreadsheet and we try to count the uh, number of license plates that we see uh, down and back. And we've added the Canadian provinces and this past time, I think we got 43 states and three Canadian provinces. So that's always something neat. Uh, if you're driving, there's all kinds of math that you can do with that. Um, the, uh, oh my goodness, living with the land ride is, is one of our favorites. Uh, there's tons of science stuff in there, but, but one that, that nobody has mentioned yet is have you seen the the great, I can't remember what it's called, is it Epcot, the great pig adventure or something like that in one of the uh, uh, pavilions to the right as, as you go in? Yeah, it's in, what I'm talking about. It, it's in uh, Interventions West. It, yes, Interventions, it just totally left me. Uh, my kids love doing that. And there's a lot of things that, that can be learned from that, saving money, balancing money, things like that. But one of the ones that uh, really appealed to me when, when I looked at the new social studies curriculum that's coming down in the next couple of years, Spaceship Earth addresses about two thirds of social studies curriculums, just about K eight or nine is one right of it. <clears throat> it was just amazing to me. When I started reading that, I went, oh, Spaceship Earth, uh, that's spaceship, that one, Spaceship Earth, that I, you can see tons of things in Spaceship Earth that are directly related to social studies. The same thing with science and living with the land. So all kinds of things. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't matter uh, where you go. You're going to be learning something from somebody uh, all, all throughout the parks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you can really find it all over the place. Uh, everything from having kids, you know, help count change, uh, figuring out whether the currency that they have will allow them to purchase the toy that they want in the store. Um, there's some actually gets to the point of fairly complex math that they figure out that they can do themselves when it's got practical applications to them with their hands on it. Um, I even, you know, talked, my daughter is the, the thrill ride junkie of the family. Um, and, you know, we talk about physics a little bit. It's a little over her head. I don't go into too much detail, but, you know, we talk about how gravity pulls the rail, you know, pulls the, the, um, the roller coaster cars down. We talk about centrifugal force and how it pushes you back and momentum and uh, inertia, um, all kinds of, of science concepts that I think a lot of times when they first hear them in a classroom can be difficult to get their heads around. But if they can tie that to something they experienced, it makes sense all, you know, much, much faster. You're exactly right. And, and I, I've heard it several times. Like, hey, wait a minute. That happened when I rode this ride, whether it be at Disney World or this other park. This, this happened to me. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So, yeah, that, that would be, I guess, my example. I do that with my daughter. My son, I've had a little harder time finding the good opportunities for him, although uh, simple counting and things are, are good for him. He's, he's four, so, and when we were there last, he was three. Um, but he was at that age where he just sort of absorbed everything. Um, he liked to just kind of sit back and, and observe and watch everything. And what was really interesting to me was watching him at Animal Kingdom um, 
it wasn't even necessarily the animals that drew his attention, but he would find these remarkable details that are part of the decor of uh, Animal Kingdom. And, you know, really almost draw attention, you know, draw my attention to them or draw our attention to them in ways that we would have totally missed them. Um, you know, finding drums and finding, uh, you know, the, the statuary that's across the, the, uh, across the lake from uh, Expedition Everest and all of those things. Let's see, Mark, I think you were talking about, um, you know, geography and, and learning to read a map. Yeah, I, um, it's kind of a guy thing, I guess, but uh, I'm fascinated with maps, and my sons are too. And so whenever we walk into the park in the morning, first thing we do is grab a map, even though we have about 15 copies of them back at the hotel room. And uh, they just open them right up and start charting out the course of which attractions they want to hit. And, um, you know, some of these parks are a little confusing, so uh, it, it can really test your, your geography skills there, trying to figure out where, where to go. <laughs> All right. Yes, I agree. Um, those are all great examples. Um, we're, we're getting near the end here of our show, but I, I don't want to leave out, you know, it wouldn't be a Diz Dads podcast without a 10 questions. Um, so, Mark, you ready to take the hot seat? As ready as I'll ever be, I guess. All right. So here we go. 10 questions. Getting to know Mark Harbison. Uh, Mark, remind everybody your uh, screen name on the disboards. Uh, that would be Captain Oblivious. Okay. And where do you live and what do you do for a living? Well, I live in Townsend, Delaware, and uh, I work for the Delaware State Highway Department. And uh, I'm an engineer. I'm a project manager there, and we work on... Uh, on putting together the plans, uh, doing the designs for all of the highway projects. And so, uh, whatever the problem is on the road, you can, you can bet it's my fault. <laughs> um, all right. So describe your family for us. Well, I have a lovely wife. We just, uh, celebrated our 13th anniversary, uh, just last week. And we have three kids. Uh, I have a daughter who's nine years old and two sons who are seven and five. And uh, we're working on uh, passing down the Disney-loving gene, and so far it seems to be a success. What is your favorite off-the-beaten-path location in W in Walt Disney World? Um, I'll give you two. I uh, really enjoy going over the raft to Tom Sawyer's Island in the Magic Kingdom. And I'm usually surprised at how many people don't make that trip it's low tech and there's no huge attractions there but it's really great place to explore just you know going into caves and forts and uh, riding rafts and jumping on barrel bridges it's a great spot to just rest and, and watch your kids run around and enjoy and the other one's a little bit of a secret um, not too many people seem to make use of it but it's the uh the beach at the Polynesian Resort when you can uh, when Wishes is going off, the fireworks over the castle. It's a great spot to watch and grab a Dole Whip and get back on a beach chair. But um, like I said, that one's kind of a secret, so don't tell anybody. <laughs> Not a secret to me. That's where we stayed last time. <laughs> so you probably made, uh, made use of that. Exactly. Uh, okay, so what is your least favorite place in Walt Disney World? Um... 
I know I'm probably in the minority, but uh, the very top of the elevator shaft on the Tower of Terror, not a big fan of that. Okay. <laughs> um, who is your favorite animated Disney character? Now, if I remember from previous podcast, I think we included Pixar characters, correct? Yes, we did. Okay. So I really enjoy uh, Wally and Stitch. They're my two favorites. What sound or noise do you love? Uh, the greeting from the monorail. The, uh, por favor, manténgase alejado de las puertas. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? Uh, the, I'll say the magical express bus driver telling you it's going to be about a half hour uh, on your ride back to the airport. Okay. Uh, what career other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, I think it would be really, really cool to be a, a Disney Imagineer. Um, just the, you know, the I'm an engineer by trade anyway, and uh, just the idea of working on the next great thing at Disney World that nobody knows about yet just sounds really exciting to me. I would love that job. What job would you not like to do? Uh, well, as you guys know, um, the uh, Mission Space has uh, is the only ride at Disney World that has vomit bags on it, and uh, so sooner or later somebody misses the bag, <laughs> and somebody's got some poor guy's got to go clean that up, and I I don't think I'd like that job. So. <laughs> okay, now if you could be a Disney cast member for one year, and only for a year. What job would you want to do for a year? I'm not picky. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think anything. I think it would be really cool to just work, uh, you know, working the lines at, at one of the attractions where you get to kind of be in character and interact with the guests. Um, I've seen so many of the characters, or the, I'm sorry, the cast members uh, at different attractions just stay in character and yet make a kid's day by making some sort of comment that just fits with the theme of the ride and all. And I just think that would be a blast getting to do, getting to do things like that. So just put me at an attraction, help me, uh, let me interact with guests and, and, uh, give a kid a, a great time and I'm happy. All right, Mark, you've survived the hot seat. Thank you very much. All right. I'm stepping down. Okay. I, I did have one thing that, that I wanted to mention that I, I know that, I can't, I'm disappointed that we didn't get to and we didn't bring up, and that is um, the Hall of Presidents, uh, especially after the most recent recent update, uh, is a wonderful educational opportunity in, uh, in, in the Magic Kingdom itself. There are educational opportunities in all the parks. It's not limited to just Epcot. Agree 100%. Uh, any, anybody else have any others that they want to make sure we get mentioned and don't leave out? Um... In Hollywood Studios, the uh, One Man's Dream about Walt Disney, that is a really good uh, uh, way to learn about Walt from his you know early beginnings with the company and all the way through. And it's that we really enjoyed that. My whole family liked walking through there and seeing some of the old stuff that he created and and did. It was really neat. That's a good example. Um... Also, the Art of Animation Tour in Hollywood Studios is a, another good example of a hands-on educational experience that's you know not in Epcot. Um, it's a, a nice opportunity in Hollywood Studios. Yeah, I was just going to add the animation, um, the animation class 
where you do the character drawing. Right. I mean, it's you, you think it's just a fun thing to learn the characters, but I see a difference with my kids drawing, trying to draw characters now based on what they saw in that class, based on what the animator told them, how you start, you know, with the light lines, and then you go with the darker lines. I can see that just when my kids sit in color. And it's, you know, it's, one of, it's another one of those things. You don't think about it, but they're learning something. Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, uh, you know, to sum up, I think, our, our podcast for today, uh, obviously, this is a group of Diz Dads. You're going to have a hard time finding Diz Dads who are going to say across the board, you shouldn't take a kid out of school to go to Walt Disney World. We just spent the last, uh, you know, 45 minutes or so coming up with reasons why it's perfectly okay to take a kid out. Um, but the one thing that I think we also all agreed on was that you've got to know your kid, you got to know your school, and you've got to communicate with the educators. And uh, when you do that, you can make a great experience for your kids and also um, make sure that they're still on task at school when you get back from another wonderful Walt Disney World trip. We'd love to hear from all of you who are listening. Uh, you could email us at podcast at disdads.com. You could visit our website, disdads.com. Tweet us at disdadspodcast on Twitter. Or participate in the discussion in the new DizDads subforum of the Disney for Families forum at thedizboards.com. Let us know if there are topics you'd like us to discuss. If you've got questions, we'd love to try and answer them. And until the next podcast... This has been Aaron Ripmaster with the Diz Dads Podcast. Thank you. Good night, all. Good night. This has been a Wizard of Oz production.